0: down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. It was hot in the city. It was hot enough to fry an egg on the backside of Ben Grimm. I was sitting in my office, staring over a stack of Rom the Space Knight that I picked up in a dollar bin, when it came walking in. Oh, hey, lady!
1: <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs>
0: it was a tall drink of water, about 200 pages Would you like came some water? <laughs> came in, telling a tale of woe About betrayal, mistrust, deception, and ultimately murder I couldn't lie, there was something European about it
1: I've been a pee and I've had too much water, it's <laughs> really hot outside
0: And uh, a certain animal magnetism that just grabbed hold of me. So I decided to take the case. It was that time that I remembered what my former partner Jay Scott had told me once. Forget it, Andy.
2: It's just the last comic shop.
0: the the last comic shop and i hope you enjoyed our little film noir opening there and as always i'm the host with most andy larson i'm joined by jay scott and chad smith did you cut out my pretty lady voices or did that stay in the final (laughs) cut it was making me crack up too much do you want some pie (laughs) just like noir the pretty ladies you're always getting cut out of the picture that's right unless you're the femme fatale then you survive the whole way most of the time you're the one or the gun mole Ah, gun those gun balls. It's always about a dame in these comic books, especially when you're talking about film noir. And on today's program, we are doing another film noir comic book. This one is a particularly interesting one. It comes from J.A. Scott. It was his pick this week. It is Black Sap. It is truly something else i mean you talk about film noir crime noir crime comic books but how many times do you get a crime comic book where all the characters are animals keep the change you filthy animal they're all animals they're just varying degrees of filthy some of them don't even look animal like they've just got an animal face and like the rest of them they're definitely not drawn like any animal i've seen J. A. Why did you uh, pick Black Sad for this week's uh, book? Gotten
2: excellent reviews. It's won a couple of Eisners. It's just one of those books that everyone says you should read once in your lifetime. So uh, we needed a independent book. We've been hitting the capes and cowls pretty hardcore for a while. So I figured let's let's throw up something different. Spoiler alert! I'm glad we read it. The art is just fantastic ah that's very true i won't lie that like ever since uh, our
0: reckless show a couple weeks ago i've been wanting to dive back into that uh, crime genre of comic books so i'm glad you picked another one before the summer was out But before we get into our comic book review this week, where we've got some business to take care of, it is time to recap some of our polls! As you may or may not know, and hopefully you do know, every Wednesday on our Twitter page, at Last Comic Shop, J.A. Scott is wonderful enough to put out a poll to all of our listeners. Uh, It usually dovetails very nicely with the book that we're reviewing that week, and uh, as promised, we like to uh, then come on to these programs periodically and tell you what the results were. So uh, we've got about five polls, I think, starting off
2: mid to late June. So we looked at uh, we looked at the book Superman vs. Spider-Man. So the poll that week was the best versus or the best matchup. And there were several to choose from. Superman vs. Muhammad Ali. Batman vs. The Hulk. JLA vs. The Avengers and Aliens vs. Predator, which many people might not know was actually a comic book before it was anything else. That being said, it didn't get a lot of votes. Neither did Superman (laughs) vs. Muhammad Ali. Batman vs. The Hulk and JLA vs. The Avengers were both sort of tied for the top spot on that one. Surprising to me. I thought JLA vs. The Avengers would have gotten a little bit more interest than it did
1: and i think the best choice was left off and i think somebody else brought this up best inner company versus is the teen titans versus the x-men it had the art, it had the story. It's not even one of the best crossovers, one of the best comic books, bar none.
0: Yeah, I remember back when we reviewed Superman versus The Amazing Spider-Man, that was your recommendation. So if you want to hear a little bit more about that particular book, go back and listen to that episode. Uh, you can hear Ch- uh, Chad's uh, recommendation at the end of the episode uh, for that particular versus. And it actually came in the same comic book collection as uh, Superman versus The Amazing Spider-Man, if you can still find that trade out at your local comic book shop. I know that I particularly voted for Batman versus the Hulk because it's one of my favorites. Again, I talk about it all the time, that awesome scene where Hulk throws a car at Batman and he jumps through the window, somehow saving himself miraculously. But it's also got some other cool stuff, including the fact that Joker gets godlike powers in that long before the Emperor Joker and all that other stuff ever happens. So, like, it's a cool, cool book. J.A., what was your vote in that one?
2: I voted for Aliens versus Predator, because I'm a big Dark Horse fan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and I actually was thinking that that was going to get a little more votes than it actually did. I mean, I thought that a lot of people know those movies, and I just thought that they, they would have
2: voted for that particular... See, I think, I think in this case, the movies actually took away the votes.
1: Yeah. The movies the are bad. so bad that
2: they, they brought that vote down. Where you, with your cheating Batman vs. Hulk comic book panel of Batman jumping through the car window, actually elevated Batman vs. Hulk above what he should have. He was punching above his weight, if Hulk can punch above his weight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What I was really surprised, though, nobody was voting for Superman vs. Muhammad Ali. Because it is a classic. With the scrubs, the art is beautiful. Makes me want to go out boxing. (laughs) That scene where Muhammad Ali punches Superman out of the ring?
2: Gorgeous. So the next poll was in honor of the July 4th weekend and our Captain America book. Who is the best captain non-America? So we had Captain Marvel from Marvel, Captain Marvel from D.C., Captain Britain or Captain Canuck. <laughs> Boiler alert, Captain Canuck, not so many votes.
0: Oh, I, I was trying to think of who Captain Canuck was, actually. is immediately i thought of like oh was he on alpha flight or something but that's the vindicator right that's the guardian captain america it? version for canada yeah. right is vindicator You're both right it's vindicator and guardian
2: oh okay but who's captain canuck he's another canadian superhero from the marvel not well known well who won this one if it wasn't captain canuck captain marvel dc so okay. shazam right, we go. captain
0: shazam No, and I, that, that was who i voted for if of all those captains that you named I'm, I'm going with shazam every single time i've always loved shazam much more than superman I, i'm a bigger fan of him i think it's kind of cool that he has the billy batson alter ego and that kind of wish fulfillment which movie did you like better than between
1: the the captain marvel and the captain marvel Ooh,
0: I think I actually enjoyed the Shazam movie more I think that it had a lot more fun uh, Especially at the end when Sure, there was just a bunch of demons running around But it was really cool to see the kids get the superpowers And again, yeah. that wish fulfillment Like, comic books are supposed to be for kids So for kids to get, like, empowered and be like Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go beat up some random monsters it I remember thinking that movie was, like, 65% awesome As long as it wasn't dealing with the villains, it was
1: great was captain marvel i was like oh okay it's happening
2: <laughs> all right what's our next poll uh recap uh the next one was also a bit of a landslide much to your chagrin best indie superhero film teenage mutant ninja turtles the 1990 version uh the crow flash gordon the 1980 movie and the shadow I'll oh, go out on a limb on this one it was cowabunga man <laughs>
0: I remember seeing that in the movie theater with UJA, like, it was so packed that we ended up having to sit in, like, the front row, and luckily we got two seats together, but I just remember, like, it was the biggest thing ever. Like, we talked about it for, like, months. We were like, oh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie's coming out. Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, Chad, did you see that in one of the theaters as well? I did,
1: but that wasn't even the best Ninja Turtles movie. Oh. It's Ninja Turtles 2, Secrets of the Ooze. yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's your best Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, because it's got the vanilla ice in
0: it. Oh, yeah. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Well, I went with The Shadow, because I love that movie. It's on HBO Max if you ever want to watch it. There's everybody in that movie. Magneto's in that movie, and
2: Tim Curry, and Alec Baldwin. I would say the only issue I have with The Shadow is some of that CGI doesn't quite hold up anymore some of the special effects are, are not nearly as special as we once thought they were <laughs> that, that knife with the animated face
0: oh but they had a lot of great practical effects in it like you know that bathysphere scene where he's like drowning and whatever and all the cool like little miniatures that they did with like the swooping around buildings it's cool once Go again watch you remember it. way too much about movies from 35 years ago
2: <laughs> yeah, we're running a podcast that's my job what's our next poll Best superpower. Flying, super strength, energy projection, or lockpicking. <laughs> Apparently not a lot of listeners care about breaking into house.
0: Oh, but see that's every single time you play any sort of RPG, that's like the one skill you always have to get is lockpicking. That and like some sort of hacking skill. Cause you always need it. You're like, oh, I gotta break into this thing and steal the treasures. It's the only way I'm gonna get the equipment I need. So useful, but you're right, it's not a really great superpower uh chad what was your pick in this one i think i went flight but honestly i feel like if
1: flying was like running like if you could fly at the same rate that you ran somewhere it would be practically useless Mm. yeah i flew three miles to the store and now i need to sit down for a day
0: (laughs) (laughs) what's not like you're flapping your arms or something like why not that's what birds do You'd have such massive delts, and you'd be able to tell so many terrible jokes. Oh, I just flew in from Albuquerque, and boy, are my arms tied.
2: Flying took top prize, by the way. Uh, As I said, no one went with lockpicking, so it was really a a three-horse race.
0: All right, what was our last poll?
2: And our last poll, uh, best 1980s detective. Ooh, this one
0: was... This one was real tight. Uh, this yeah. one came out about the same time as we did, what, uh, Reckless, uh,
2: our last crime
0: noir comic book. So
2: uh, what were the choices there? Thomas Magnum from Magnum P.I., Rick Hunter from Hunter, Fred Dreyer, the oh, NFL, nfl <laughs> Jessica, Jessica Fletcher, and Remington Steele. See, I, I voted for Pierce Brosnan. I loved
0: Remington Steel back in the day. It was one of my favorite shows. Every single title had Steel in the name. It was the best. Coffee, tea, or Steel? Steel Trap. <laughs> I was tempted to go Hunter
1: because I used to watch that with my grandma, but ultimately I went with the Magnum. Also that I watched with my
0: grandma. <laughs> oh.
2: yeah, you, can't go, you can't go wrong with Thomas Magnum and Magnum P.I.,
0: Wait a second! You went you went against your Fred dryer, your precious Fred dryer. You didn't even vote for him. Mm-hmm. You know what? I was surprised there was a, as many Jessica Fletchers out there. They seem to come out of the woodwork. Those Jessica Fletcher fans, "Murder She Wrote," evidently has a tremendous
2: fan base, and don't mess with. <laughs> Yeah, you, you don't mess with Angela Lansbury, man. She comes after you. Well, who who won this one? It was close. Magnum did. Magnum, 38% to Remington Steel's 35%. Wow. Jeez. Only 3%. Jeez. And it was our, our most, uh, up until that point, our most voted on poll, too. Oh, so there you go. We, we hit a chord.
0: <laughs> and, and, and and there were some good suggestions of folks we didn't remember. I, somebody recommended Simon and Simon. There was a Hard Castle in McCormick. I was surprised nobody
2: suggested Columbo. I was just out, you know. He's not 80s, because I was going to put him down. But Columbo came out in the 70s. Uh, what about the Perry Mason? Also too, too young. Uh,
0: what about the Scarecrow and Mrs. King? Or they were
2: actually super spies, I guess. I don't know. Yes. Would Knight Rider count? Yeah, he, yeah, he's not really a detective slash private investigator. He's more of a, I don't know, man of leisure who has a car. <laughs>
0: All right, we're getting into subgenres here. And one subgenre we're going to get to in just a second is our crime related comic books and black sad. Make sure that you go check us out every Wednesday for our weekly polls at Last Comic Shop on Twitter. And we'll be right back after these messages
2: cartoon dumpster dive i'm your host joel and i'm your host andrew join us as we travel
0: back in time to watch the garbage cartoons from your past will you remember them maybe we painstakingly watch every episode of these
2: cartoons to remind you that hey some things belong in the past
0: our pain is your entertainment thanks for tuning in
2: Get ready for the new sitcom, a Crown. Everything was coming up roses for Bradley and Cameron, until... I could just
0: lie here with you forever. I think we should see other people. And as if
2: that wasn't tragic enough... The rent has gone up higher than annual passes at Disney World. But they have a plan. Turning this place into a brothel. To get a roommate. Enter Allison and Dylan. Like your endless sexual escapades. Whole new men into home office. Join these 30-somethings as they face the challenges of balancing careers and dating after 29. Coming soon to a podcatcher near you. One,
1: two, three, four,
0: All right, we're back with more of the last comic shop, and it is now time to do our read pile review, which we oftentimes are famous for, sometimes infamous for. But hopefully, everybody comes away from our read piles with a better understanding of comic books and something that they might want to check out at their local comic book shop if they are so inclined. And this one, in particular, this week, I can say I would recommend. Boilers, Come on, man! I can't I can't keep a poker face for this? I enjoyed it. Uh, Especially uh, as J.A. alluded to earlier in the show The art was just absolutely tremendous It is Black Sad And uh, Chad, who did Black Sad? Okay, so we are
1: going to be reviewing the first three books of Black Sad Which were written by Juan Diaz Canales And illustrated by Juan Yo Garnito With lettering by Studio Cutie
0: This particular uh, collection that we're reading today was released by Dark Horse Comics. Uh, originally, this was a foreign language comic, so it has been translated and adapted into English, which is what we're reviewing today. I can say, I think it originally came out uh, in the mid, mid-2000s? mid Yep, 2000 uh, to 2005 in France. Okay. And then it eventually made it across to our shores, I think, in 2010. And uh, as always, with a good crime drama, there has to be a good story, a hook. And in this case, you get, I guess, three. So uh, J.A. might give us three ten-cent synopses, or he might just give us one. But generally, J.A., what was Black Sad all about?
2: So Black Sad is a uh, noir comic book series with anthropomorphic animals instead of people. And Black Sad, the particular character, is a private investigator that is a cat. So it's sort of imagine if all the little kids from Sweet Tooth grew up and populated the world. That's what it is. They're all running around. I was going to say it was more like an R-rated version of Zootopia
0: Uh, for those folks that might enjoy that that Walt Disney movie. It's like, yeah, if you want to see, I don't know. Sexy judy hops You can you can read black sad instead because that's what they're kind of sort of doing with this book And I was gonna get to this
1: later, but they're only animals from the neck up They've got fur fur and tails, but otherwise have very human anatomies. Yes are often on
0: display (laughs) It's that is very true At times a furry's wet dream in in this particular (laughs) book won't lie about that, but um, as chad alluded to there's actually three stories in the particular volume that we did uh jay can you give us a really quick rundown of the three stories and what happens in each of them
2: without yeah, giving yeah. too much away so so these stories all take place in the 1950s in the united states first book was uh, uh, translated somewhere within the shadows black sad is investigating the murder of a famous actress that he used to once date so you know it's a classic Noir tale of an investigator going through his past to figure out what happened to someone he used to love, and the same time that he's investigating her murder, he's sort of retreading all the the problems that led to their breakup. And like any classic film noir, when it ends, everyone is dead or sad. Aww. Okay. Then the second book. The second the second book. Arctic Nation. Tells a story of white power movement. So there's a anagram to the KKK, and they're animals that all are polar. So they're all white fur animals, like the polar bear and the sea otter and things. And, and they're trying to build a, a society where the only people who have power and are going around are other white furred animals. And so uh, we'll talk about this, because I think, Chad, you said that you had a little bit of trouble with that one. But essentially economic depression and and race relations and also uh, there's a bit of perversion thrown in because it's noir and there's a bit of sexual repression and and, and stuff like that and all centers around uh, the kidnapping of a girl. And then the, the final story you read is Red Soul, which kind of uh, an allusion to sort of the Red Scare and McCarthyism in the 50s. And uh, Black Sad is a bodyguard and he gets drawn into this convoluted story about the scientists and the H-bomb. And there's this woman that he's trying to date and she wants to go to Niagara Falls. <laughs> and there's some artwork and somebody who is an allegory to Joe McCarthy.
0: All right, well, that's that's a good enough 10 cent synopsis because again, you don't wanna give away the mystery of most of these stories. There is a mystery that plays a part, again, like in any good uh, crime noir story. So we don't wanna give too much away so that you can enjoy it as you're reading it as well. But we're gonna get the initial thoughts and those come from Chad Smith, especially since he said that, you know, in terms of this particular book, The first book was almost like the best one for you, Chad, and then kind of diminished returns from there. The first book in the series, the Somewhere
1: Within the Shadows, I thought this was great crime noir. Like it had everything. It starts off, you know, where he shows up, ex-girlfriend has been murdered. He goes back to the flashbacks and he's hunting down people. And so much in here that was just fun crime noir, only with these anthropomorphized uh, what I refer to as the Silver Age Disney animal. You know, like whenever you get to Jungle Book and the Robin Hood, when the animation got a little bit sketchier for Disney, like that's what I felt like all the characters' faces looked like. Were there foxes?
2: And yeah. And also
1: it also was weirdly sexy. Uh, like this book, where there are times where it's like, these are animals, but wow. <laughs> 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 but that part was, it was just
0: fun. And he, you know, the, there are people coming after him and the guy has the snake head, like, that was really cool to watch. And then actually it was like a common theme throughout the entire series of books. Like like the hitmen and things, they were all like more reptilian in nature. Like they were snakes or turtles or crocodiles and yeah, stuff. They
1: were cold blooded. They, they had that bar, you know, the, the cold blooded bar where the one, I don't know if it was a rat or a ferret was trying to come after black sad and, walks into this bar and like no hairy people like you in here you know and all these cold-blooded animals stare yeah. at. yeah
0: it was neat though because it seemed like you know as an aside uh, every single time that they got a character like they found an animal that perfectly fit that character's personality like i, I mean they had bruisers that were giant bears or rhinoceroses you know and I've, of course that's kind of like again your allusion to, to robin hood but i was kind of like yeah these all make sense. You know, even Black Sad being the panther from the Jungle Book, that's what Black Sad looks like. He's just like a, a much more muscular version of it. But yeah, so I, I
1: thought that all worked in this first book really well. And I was like, wow, I really like this. It's a little strange. The art is beautiful. When I got to the second story, the Arctic Nation, which was occurring in the what I assumed to be the American South, what got me was all the white animals are Arctic, like polar bears. That doesn't work. Like, it just, there, there was something about it that pulled me out of like this mix of animals in this story. And then there's some weird, weird stuff that happens. I, I'm going to spoil a bunch of this. So if you want to tune out for the next 30 seconds and skip ahead, but the, the, the bad guy ends up marrying his daughter, yeah! so weird and so gross. Why do these characters have to be animals? I feel like this story would have benefited almost with it not being these animal characters because all the animal part did was just take me out of it and just add an extra level of weird. but with that said, art is art and if that if the artists were like I want to make cats and panthers and bears oh my like, that second story took me out of it by the time I got to the third story it, it didn't pull me back into understanding what the justification
2: was there for the anthropomorphized animals well i think it 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 makes you remember the stories it makes them that much more memorable and i think that's why that that middle story is harder to digest because it's really slamming up against sort of some uncommon truths there's there's the black and the white does i guess they're does you're kind of confused because they look like sexy women except they've got ears and and tails and and why? How am I supposed to handle this and deal with this? And at the same time, you're, you're working through what the story is trying to tell you. I think that's what adds to the power of it. Because if it was just a normal human story with human characters, it would just be this, you know, oh, that's your sort of typical noir fare. that's weird and has, you know, sexual DVC and all this other stuff, but now you've got it with animals, so it's, it's a whole other level of...
0: I, I kind of agreed with the second story because, again, for all intents and purposes, it's kind of like Chinatown. Chinatown has a very strange kind of sexuality thing going on if you've ever watched that particular movie with daughters and fathers and all that other stuff and this is very similar to that so I feel like if it had not been done with just animals if it had just been another you know a bunch of humans I would have just been like eh that was just a ripoff of Chinatown and I've seen that already but with the animals again it, it allows the author I feel to tell certain like hard truths with this kind of sheen over top that you're like, okay, they're animals. So we can, we can have a little bit of distance from these really kind of uncomfortable topics. Right. See that's, I I think the animal, it was
1: just a metaphor that didn't need to be there. And then I'm like, well, why are the bears palling around with these animals? Like they're natural predators. Uh And like the, the, just the combinations didn't make sense to me. And then like, I'm worried about that when meanwhile there's this weird story of perversion and all this other stuff going on
2: one thing that you never see in these anthropomorphized comics is there's never insects they get the short shrift that's true there were bugs but they were stapled to the, the collector's Right? They, book. They, were, they, were, they were normal sized bugs and the guy was putting pins through them wouldn't that be murder if you're in an anthropomorphized world yeah Still wouldn't murder. those uh <laughs> wouldn't it, wouldn't they just be lunch like that was the thing like
0: I, you never see them eat like would the herbivores be eating like grass at like a grass bar or something yeah. like big piles of lettuce and stuff yeah
2: I, I would say the second story holds up the best when you sit down and reevaluate everything uh the first one i felt sucked you in immediately and within a page you're in the environment the third book There was just so much going on, I felt. The Red Soul story, because it has all these characters that allude to real characters in life. You've got McCarthy, you've got Allen Ginsberg, you've got uh, Rothko, you've got all these real people who have anagram within the story. It's harder to read if you don't know who those people are to me, that took me out of the story a bit because I felt like, oh, I've got to go look up Wikipedia. And, oh, isn't that from Howl? And who are they trying to have him be? Now,
0: I I I like that third story the most, just from a you know an artistic perspective, just simply because I felt like it had a lot of Easter eggs. Like the story, there's paintings involved and whatever. That that all kind of lost me, and I was paying more attention to like, oh, they drew Adolf Hitler like a cat because that's what they did in mouse and i was like yay (laughs) i know some things like they made the nazis look like cats just like in mouse i was like all right but i will agree that like uh the second story for me was my favorite it had a lot of twists and turns and i kind of really liked uh weekly his sidekick that's introduced in that one as kind of like a I don't know he's a ferret or a weasel or something like that but he works as a tabloid person and he's kind of like that scoops uh you know that news hound kind of character that always should appear in some sort of crime noir as a good friend of the private detective give him that little little bit more information but yeah i um found myself trying to compare this book to anything else that i'd ever read before and um It actually was really hard, and I think it was because of the animals. That animal factor threw me for such a loop, and it was very cinematic in the way that it was drawn. And you could see this being like scenes in a film. I was going to say cinematic, I would agree with, but not realistic.
1: Like, animals don't emote like that. Think of the live-action Lion King movie. The problem is, you know, animals don't show Disney-style emotions, and so you just had
0: animals with these dead stares looking into the camera. And so, it seemed like Black said got all the great romance scenes, too. Like, uh, in Red Souls, when after he saves her from some FBI agents, like, they're hiding out together and that's not my style, and they have this really passionate kiss, and I got
2: the feels. Like, I was like, oh! oh. So in that second book, what did you think of the fact that they were doing it doggy style? The dog was doing it doggy style. Uh, <laughs>
0: Lie. I, there were certain scenes in this thing i was like
2: this is, this is, this is a little hot there's certain scenes i turned the page and then we'll oh, look around make sure that my kids aren't close i know yeah. he's like peeking through the window
0: and she's getting railed from behind i was just like oh my god but it's true to life it's true to form it's everybody just looked the way that they were supposed to and it just brought a certain level to this book that is unlike
2: anything else I've read and that's good art. Yeah, and I think Chad mentioned it it's sort of it does feel a bit sort of like those Disney films of of an earlier era, the Jungle Books, the Robin Hoods where every character the animal that they are fits them perfectly in personality and I think it's that cuz that's the personality that we've imbued in some of these animals so you know like reptiles and lizards and 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 cold-blooded animals are are the underworld and and you've got uh, a rat is the, like the spy on the street going around. And then the police chief is a a German shepherd. Don't forget the canine cop. Again, and between
0: the animals and like, whether it was the romance scenes or the fight scenes, like every action scene was just gorgeous to look at. Like there's one scene where Black Sad like crushes, these two goons with a fire extinguisher. Boy, was that awesome to look at? Like it does. Like you could feel like the teeth just rattle out of these animals faces when he cracks them. Cause they, they did a number on him earlier. So he's getting a little bit of revenge with getting the jump on these two guys. Uh, whether it's that, whether it's some of the gunplay, I mean, Black Set is again, very much like Ethan reckless from the reckless book. He is capable of handling this situation. So very classic in terms of what you want a hero in one of these crime noirs where he can really handle his own business. So much of that is conveyed through the art. It came through in the eyes of the characters, the way
1: they looked at each other or glared at each other, or they snarled or, you know, there's that one scene at the end with with the smirk. This artist is just incredible in terms of how
2: much he emotes. And the the colors, the colors are just beautiful. It's it, The whole thing has this really muted sheen. There are a lot of browns and ambers used. I mean, even Black Sad, he's black, but he doesn't, you know, it's not like a harsh black color. It's almost like the whole thing was done with pastels or watercolors with a really light touch. I think the color really brings out the art had they done it with a more vibrant color palette it wouldn't have worked it would have been sort of jarring so it's feels like you know like neo-noir films or or early colorized film noir where the colors are very muted as opposed to say like the dick tracy movie where everything is really shouting
1: right no for sure and they it suits the scene and it goes back and forth sometimes between scenes where it'll be you know those blues and then it'll go to the oranges or the ambers and like it fits the scene that it's
0: portraying beautifully i totally agree with the colors good call on that one and if you want to hear more of our good calls on things make sure that you stick around after these commercial breaks for our rating of black sad will it be a good call will it be a bad call we'll see stay tuned
1: Hi, this is Two Girls on a Bench, the podcast. So we're two writers who tend to procrastinate just a bit. We like to snack. We like to talk. We don't have time to write, but we have time to do this podcast. We certainly do. Join us on the bench. Listen in. At number two, Girls on a Bench.
0: Hey, this is Ken m Padawan J.
1: Coach Duffy.
0: From the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, we're back with more of the last comic shop. It is now time for our rating, where we have an opportunity, regardless of which part of the Atlantic you're from, we're going to say, hey, you made a comic book, and we are going to give it a numerical value, because that's what our show is all about. At the end of the day, we got to give it some sort of rating and say, hey, is this worth our fans checking out? At their local comic book shop. So,
2: J.A., what is our rating scale for this week? Okay, we're going to go one out of four cat treats. So, how much catnip did you like? Speaking of cat treats, it was your book. So, was this a cat treat for you, J.A.? Yeah, i say it's about three, three and a half cat treats. Uh, I'm going to ding it down a little bit because I felt that, especially in Red Soul, the story got a little convoluted. They were They were trying too much with the... The Easter eggs and, and putting people into the background that didn't necessarily add to the story, but I felt that the main plot—it was a collection of of subplots. That third book, that's that's how I'll say it. The the unlike the first two books where you had a main story that kind of drove everything. In the third story, I felt it was just a lot of subplots that they kind of threw together, and hoped that it stuck together long enough that it, it propelled the story forward. But there wasn't this driving engine the way you had in the first two n- stories. I really enjoyed, as we you know we've gushed about the art already and and the writing. Oftentimes, you'll see comic books written for another culture in another language. They don't translate quite so well. Because uh, this was originally written in French and then uh, put into Spanish and then translated from the French probably into other languages and in English as well. But I think it works. Okay. Chad, how many cat treats
0: are you giving it? Because the art is beautiful and at the same
1: time it's unnerving because I, I love those old Disney movies and I don't want to see somebody with you know a Disney face railing some other <laughs> doe-eyed uh animal from behind it uh, it unnerved me i won't lie and then to find out that it was you know the the relation and uh, it, it so much on un- unnerved me but uh i thought the first uh, part was really good uh it's, like i said the second one just weirded me out and the third one never got me back in so i'm gonna say three and a half uh the art is beautiful and i, I almost forgot reading it that it was translated because i didn't notice any blips or anything that you know things that were would be lost in translation, but yeah, there were just some parts that didn't do it for me.
0: Okay, I think I'm going to give this a, a three and a half as well. I, I, I can't give it a full four just simply because the first story was very straightforward to the point. It was your traditional crime noir murder mystery. The second one. A lot of interesting stuff going on there but again it started to kind of push the envelope and how much they wanted to do with the plot they kind of th- started throwing in some additional subplots that meh, maybe not panned out very well the third plot with red souls uh ja said there was a lot of subplots that kind of were out there and hopefully like gelled enough into a story i kind of felt like that's kind of the way real life is we're like I mean, again, it, in a fictional story, you do have like a main plot that drives things. In real life, you've just got a lot of messy subplots of, of a lot of p- folks that are have different agendas kind of overlapping each other. But to that point, it doesn't make it a good story. In some ways, although you, you want things to be true to life, this, sometimes it pushes the envelope too much. And you're like, yeah, I didn't need that Dalmatian signing up to something because he was afraid that he was going to get blown up in an atom bomb explosion night. It was real weird. And it was really strange to see him, like, digging in the desert with, like, a shovel. Like, that was, like, the desperation on this mad Dalmatian's face. I was, like, Pongo on, I don't know, Crack or something. It was, it was I think, the most unnerving character in the entire series. But that being said, I mean, it's art. That's the one thing that is wonderful about sometimes European comics. Uh, we've mentioned it before that, unfortunately... In the 1950s, you had The Seduction of the Innocent and and kind of comic books as an art form were kind of put on hold for a while. Like we almost lost like two or three decades worth of potential progress that we could make with comic books as an art form. That didn't happen in Europe. So you had a lot of European comics that continue to push the envelope, uh, European artists that continue to push the envelope. And Blackside is just another example of folks in that area of the world that are pushing the envelope on what you can do with the comic medium. And the fact that he made them all anthropomorphic animals, if they had just done this without that, I think this would have been largely forgettable. Maybe some of the action scenes would have been neat to see, but that animal thing just kind of puts it right over the edge and turns it from something that's just a standard crime noir story into something that really should be checked out by anybody out there this is not for kids you know even though it's got a bunch of animals in it keep this away from the kids but if you're an adult and you enjoy good crime comic books pick up black sad read it it's a recommendation from me and speaking of recommendations it is now time for that
2: part of the show where we like to give you other things that you can find at local comic book shops in your area yep We like to take something similar, something recent, and something maybe a little bit out of left field or off the beaten path. So this week, uh, what is coming out of left field? I've got the left field pick
0: this week, and uh, it does have some characters that are technically animals because they're humans, but they also have animals in their names. It is Batman 66 meets the green hornet this was a uh co-production by dc comics and dynamite that was released back in 2015 uh it was done by a name everybody should know out there kevin smith if you don't know him as the film director he's also done a lot of comic books whether that's been uh he i think he had a daredevil run he also did green hornet as well as i believe he did some batman a little bit of batman he had a good green arrow run yes back in the day so he's done a lot of comic books in this particular story he works with uh, ralph garman and uh, ty templeton on art and uh, basically it is just almost like a shot for shot remake of what would happen if you had the batman 66 tv character meet the uh green hornet tv character from about that same era Both of those shows were put out by similar production companies. They have a similar feel, although Batman 66 is a little bit more campy compared to the Green Hornet, which was a little more kind of serious in terms of the crime drama. But you've got all the classic characters there. You've got the Adam West Batman. You've got the Burt Ward Robin. You've got the Van Johnson Green Hornet. And you've got Bruce Lee as Kato. It really is a a tremendous story over six issues where uh, the Green Hornet and Batman, although they're on opposite sides of the law, you know, the Green Hornets playing that angle where he's the quote unquote crime boss that's trying to take down other criminals that stand in his way while actually being the good guy. But they uh, join forces to stop the Joker, played by Cesar Romero, and General Gum, who is kind of a, a newbie character on the scenes who uses a lot of glue based uh, powers. Try to stop the dynamic duo and the Green Hornet uh, in their tracks, but it's just tremendous in regards to the fact that if you like these TV shows, here's like almost like an unaired version of it with all of the same campiness and wonderful dialogue and death-defying escapes and uh, just good characterization. So yeah, if you're a fan of those shows, pick up this book. It's not exactly crime noir. But- but these are the closest we're going to get in terms of crime war superheroes, to be so honest. So, when
2: uh, when they get into fights, so the big pals and zapat. Wham. wham! I, I, I actually... Uh, I, I don't think there's as many uh, matches
0: that as but they do have like the Batzuka shows up in one of the scenes they do scale the wall sideways they even have Richard Nixon come out of the window as a cameo like they would do on the Batman 66 show I won't lie I picked it up because Chad recommended it to me like, he read it first and said it was really good so I had to check it out but Chad what is your recommendation for this week? Before we go on, I want to say you're underselling the Alex Ross covers on that. Alex Ross and Mike Allred.
1: uh, There's so many great covers in that series. That one was lots of fun. But uh, yeah, for my recommendation, I'm going to go with the something similar pick is going to be another crime noir series. Uh, I'm going to start with volume one from Richard Starks, Parker, The Hunter by Darwin Cook where he took the original novels that were written by Richard Stark, a.k.a. Donald Westlake, and translated them into comic book form. And if you're familiar with Darwin Cook's work, he's a master of the comic book craft, but he also has that very hyper-stylized 50s-era art that really suits this genre. And this book, it's just a masterpiece. It's told in black and white with like a a tealish blue accent color. And that's all you'll see color wise throughout the series. But it has everything you want in a crime war story. It has dames. It has the the criminal who had a job gone wrong. And now the people are double crossing him and he's double crossing them. And he's going through his old connections to hunt people down. And it's so much fun. Uh, If you have not checked out the, uh, the Parker novels by Darwin cook, I
0: highly recommend them it's crime noir at its best do you know how many uh, books are in that series chad so there are four uh, which i realized
1: i don't have the fourth one yet i have the hunter i have the outfit i have the score i need to pick up sleigh still but uh, i'll be hunting that down at my local comic shop but we have more recommendations don't we yeah,
2: yeah so uh, this is something recent Also uh, related as well, but the 2016 graphic novel adaptation of James Elroy's The Black Dahlia. So this was done by uh, acclaimed storyteller Matts and award-winning filmmaker David Fincher, who you might know from Gone Girl and Zodiac and a bunch of other movies. So they worked to take Elroy's novel and... Convert it to graphic novel form with beautiful art by Miles Hyman. A very similar color palette to Black Sad that we just talked about. Sort of those muted neo noir movies from the 1960s and 70s. Not unlike a David Fincher movie, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, Washed out uh, look and. This tells the story, of course, of the Black Dahlia LAPD investigating the mysterious and brutal murder of a young woman and their obsession to solve the murder and and all the dark turns and, and, you know, sort of the gritty underworld uh, around Hollywood. What happens when you get obsessed with something and how it can destroy you and, and turn you in from this shining beacon of hope to a bitter twisted dark person it's really well done it's great to see somebody take a, a really well done novel turn it into a graphic novel and both preserve and go beyond what the original book could do it's uh available on comixology unlimited if you want to if you have a subscription to comixology you can download it today good page turner
0: all right Well, as always, we hope to uh, fill your comic book shelves with tons of page turners and uh, we do that every single week and you can follow along with our adventures by rate, reviewing and subscribing to any of the myriad of places that you can find our wonderful podcasts and you can do that by going out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com We've got links to Amazon Podcasts Apple Podcasts, Google Play Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio Pandora And all of the other places where you can Again, rate, review, and subscribe And we would really love That if you like our show If you're big supporters of what we do Leave us that five-star review Tell us how much you enjoy Our show Because it's those words of encouragement Those words of support That mean all the difference to us It's what keeps us going Every single week So Say something nice. If you like us, we'd appreciate
1: it. All right. If you are interested in continuing the conversation about some of the books we've talked about, you can follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at last comic shop and on Facebook. It's at last comic shop
2: podcast. And all those links are on our website, along with a link to our merch store where this week you can get a trench coat. or two, <laughs> So you can be your own favorite detective. Uh, But we've got great t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs. Uh, We're we're always putting out new designs, so make sure you check it out. Uh, Every time we put out a new design, there's usually a discount on those things. So um, get your merch on and uh, enjoy uh, wearing some new clothing. (laughs) There you go.
1: Unlike some of the characters in these stories that tend to not do that thing. Uh, Alright, but once you've gotten your merch, uh, you can take some of your extra cash and head down to your local comic shop. Because while we may be the last comic shop podcast, we don't want to actually be the last comic shop. So you can go uh, to com and find a place near you where you might pick up things like Black Sad. You might pick up something like Batman sixty six versus the Green Hornet. You might find a copy of Black Dahlia or some of the Richard Starks Parker the Hunter uh, novels from Darwin Cook. All that and more awaits at your local comic shop. So don't wait, check it out while you can.
0: Yes, and make sure that you check us out every single week uh, at the last comic shop. I was the host with most Andy Larson, and I was joined by Jay Scott and Chad Smith. And as always, stay safe. Shelter and remember, Black Sad works 40% of the time, all the time, like some other Sex Panthers we know. Oh,
2: that's so bad! Yikes!
0: Oh, it smells like a diaper filled with Indian food.
2: That being said, Paul Rudd would probably do a good job as Black Sad. If they made the Black Sad movie, would you want them to be as weirdly looking as the? the last
1: comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.